0: Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Suffering for Doing Good, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self study people as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for great depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Welcome to our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in First and 2 Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Suffering for Doing Good, Part 2, October 17th we examined 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 10 through 14 the total verse range is 8 through 17 we learned that men and women must refrain from evil speaking lying slandering they must avoid flattery fair speech which cover hypocritical or wicked intentions men and women must Also avoid evil and keep going away from evil. Men and women must, as well, do good and must walk in the way of righteousness. Men and women must live peaceably with all men and women. They must seek peace where it has been lost, restore it where it has been broken, and pursue it where it seems to be flying away. It seems the deeper we go, the more responsibility we find that is required of us. Is that not a good thing? For the complete thought, we will reread starting in verse 14 through 17. But in fact, if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. But do not be terrified of them or be shaken, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Yet, do it with courtesy and respect, keeping a good conscience, so that those who slander your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame when they accuse you. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if God wills it, than for doing evil. Verse 15 tells us, But set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Even if Christ is set in our hearts, how often do we answer anyone who asks about him? and the hope we possess. I am afraid, based on what I have seen and presently see in the Northeast, it is very, very few, if any at all, that provide the answer someone is seeking. It is shrugged off as, I'm busy and have to go. I have an appointment. This is a bit too public, and I do not feel comfortable here and so on. Leastwise here in America on the East Coast. With reference to examining further our verse selection this week, the Arabic version renders it, bless the Lord in your hearts. The Lord God is sanctified by his people externally when they regard his commands, attend his ordinances, and call upon his name, and praise him, but hear an internal sanctification of him. A sanctification of him in their hearts is intended in what is opposed to the fear of men, and unbelief, and lies in the exercise of the grace of fear upon him, which has for its object his goodness, and is a fruit of the covenant of his grace and is a childlike and godly fear, and in the exercise of faith upon him, upon his covenant and promises, his faithfulness and power to help, assist, and preserve, whereby glory is given to him, a witness born to his truth, and he is sanctified. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. The sense in this passage before us is, in your hearts or in the affections of the soul, regard the Lord God as holy and act towards Him with that confidence which a proper respect for one so great and so holy demands. In the midst of dangers, be not intimidated. Dread not what man can do, but evince proper reliance on a holy God and flee to him with the confidence which is due to one so glorious. This contains, however, a more general direction applicable to Christians at all times, whether in the days of Peter or in our day alone. Continuing, it is that in our hearts we are to esteem God as a holy being, and in all our deportment to act towards Him as such. The object of Peter in quoting the passage from Isaiah was to lull the fears of those whom he addressed and preserve them from any alarms in view of the persecutions to which they might be exposed, the trials which would be brought upon them by men. Thus, in entire accordance with this sentiment as employed by Isaiah, he says, be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That is, in order to keep the mind calm in trials Sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Regard him as your holy God and Savior. Make him your refuge. This will allay all your fears and secure you from all that you dread. From Barnes New Testament Notes These two commentary passages give us several items of importance that we should take serious note we should understand what is being said on a more complete basis. For in it is our help to set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. If we do that, then we can always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope we possess. We will examine this by looking at the first part, setting Christ apart as Lord in our hearts. Before we do that, though, we need to start at the beginning. First, with regard to fear, John Gill's passage said, is a childlike and godly fear. That should better describe just what kind of fear we are talking about. It is not a fear like that fear we have when we come across a full-grown wild bear in the woods. It is a form of reverence to God that, quite frankly, I believe he is owed. Let us see what the meaning of the word childlike really is. It means marked by innocence, trust, and ingenuineness. From Merriam-Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. Becoming a child, meek, submissive, dutiful as childlike obedience, from Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. Just what does that word ingenuous mean? It means lacking in cunning, guile, or worldliness, innocent or naive, straightforward or frank, candid, from the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Openness of heart, frankness, fairness, freedom from reserve or dissimulation, From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. In short, we are told to be childlike and ingenuous, meaning, if childlike, we are marked by innocence, trusting, meek, submissive, dutiful as childlike obedience. If we are also ingenuous, we lack cunning, guile, and worldliness. We are innocent or naive, straightforward or frank, even candid. We are open-hearted, frank, fair, and have freedom from reserve or dissimulation. Now, what is this godly fear thing? It seems contradictory. This is especially true today where we do not use the word fear as they once did in verbal and written communications. The word fear in many Bible contexts means, in Scripture, fear is used to express a filial or slavish passion. In good men, the fear of God is a Holy awe or reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and real love of the divine character, leading the subjects of it to hate and shun everything that can offend such a holy being, and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. This is filial fear. Reading further. We learn that fear means what one may assume of this word in scripture, yet incorrectly. Fear also means a painful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. Fear expresses less apprehension than dread, and dread less than terror and fright. The force of this passion, beginning with the most moderate degree, may be thus expressed. Fear, dread, terror, fright. Fear is accompanied with a desire to avoid or ward off the expected evil. Fear is an uneasiness of mind upon the thought of future evil likely to befall us. Fear is the passion of our nature which excites us to provide for our security on the approach of evil. Slavish fear is the effect or consequence of guilt. It is the painful apprehension of merited punishment. With that, do we fear God in this painful way, or is it more to the sense and definition that in good men and women, The fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and real love of the divine character, leading the subjects of it to hate and shun everything that can offend such a holy being and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. While this may be something you have to sort out for yourself, I can tell you that a real fear of God is a holy awe and reverence of Him and toward Him. It is not fearing Him like we might fear a large bear in the woods that seems frightfully hungry as he looks at us intently. While that is a simple comparative, I think it works really well to provide the knowledge we need. Furthermore, we are to act towards Him with that confidence which a proper respect for one so great and so holy demands. If we get our fear of God correct, this becomes much easier for us to aspire to. For in this, proper respect is exuded when we bear the correct form of fear of God. This contains, however a more general direction applicable to Christians at all times, past, present, and future. It is that in our hearts we are to esteem God as a holy being and in all our deportment to act towards Him as such. That is a great definition based on what we have learned thus far of fearing God. At all times, our hearts are to esteem God as a holy being. In all our deportment, we are to act towards Him in such a way. Or, simply put, to fear God. This is not just the meaning of fearing God. It is also now how we do it. The object of Peter in quoting the passage from Isaiah was to lull the fears of those whom he addressed and preserve them from any alarms in view of the persecutions to which they might be exposed, the trials which would be brought upon them by men. Notice in that commentary passage the phrase might be exposed. This expresses doubt as to whether we will be subject to trials causing fears and alarms in view of persecutions. In other words, fears and persecutions are not a daily thing if they are something that we might be exposed to. Therein is some good news. We will not be subject to fears or alarms of persecutions and such all the time. By example, Job had a great life before and after his alarms and persecutions by people he knew, as well as the loss of many personal items he earned throughout his life. His life was great on both ends, but was really bad in the middle. This is why alarms and persecutions can seem to labor on beyond simply days and months. sometimes. It can happen for years. Regardless of how it happens, it will not happen for the rest of one's life. While it seems a long period of time, it will not last our entire life here on this earth. They are periodic as described here by the doubtful phrase, might be exposed to. To keep the same thought, we will reread verse 15 with the full context. But set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Yet do it with courtesy and respect, keeping a good conscience, so that those who slander your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame when they accuse you. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if God wills it, than for doing evil. There it is, again in verse 17. More concise than in verse 14 through 15. We will come to this momentarily. While we are to set Christ apart as Lord in our hearts, and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope we possess, there is a bit more to it than just simply that. We are to act towards others with courtesy and respect, keeping a good conscience, so that those who slander our good conduct in Christ may be put to shame when they accuse us. On the meaning of the word conscience, The word properly means the judgment of the mind respecting right and wrong, or the judgment which the mind passes on the immorality of its own actions when it instantly approves or condemns them. Wow! That meaning for conscience is impressive! Continuing, There is always a feeling of obligation connected with operations of conscience, which precedes, attends, and follows our actions. Conscience is first occupied in ascertaining our duty before we proceed to action, then in judging of our actions when performed. A good conscience implies two things. One, that it be properly enlightened to know what is right and wrong, or that it be not under the dominion of ignorance, superstition, or fanaticism, promoting us to do what would be a violation of the divine law, and two, that its dictates be always obeyed. Without the first of these clear views of that which is right and wrong, conscious becomes an unsafe guide for it merely prompts us to do what we esteem to be right. And if our views of what is right and wrong are erroneous, we may be prompted to do what may be a direct violation of the law of God. Paul thought he ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The Savior said, respecting his disciples, that the time would come when whosoever should kill them would think that they were doing God's service, and Solomon says, There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. From Barnes New Testament Notes. I think that was very clear and understandable whether we want to believe it or not. Are you properly enlightened as to know what is correctly right and wrong? Or are you, under the dominion of ignorance, superstition, or fanaticism, prompting you to do what would be a violation of the divine law? In the simplified form, there it is. What are your answers to those two questions? Now, with all that, do we realize, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if God wills it, than for doing evil? What we have just studied so far gives the answer this scripture first demands. Yes, it is better to suffer for doing good, if God wills it, than for doing evil. Hopefully, you can understand that suffering for doing good is a sometimes thing, as Scripture said, if God wills it. In closing, remember this fact. In order to keep the mind calm in trials, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Regard Him as your holy God and Savior. Make Him your refuge. This will allay all your fears and secure you from all that you dread. There it is, the bottom line in this study. Make him your refuge. Why? It will allay all your fears and secure you from all that you dread. Notice. Not just some of the things that cause fear and dread. All things that cause fear and dread. Next week, our episode is titled, Christ Concerned About the Will of God and Not Human Desires, Part 1. Just what is up with that? Next week, we will sort this out. Just what is Peter telling us here? Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, our vision, our ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. If you would rather search for us, Please use the search phrase Church of the Un insert dash symbol Church to find us on a podcast platform you like. Note: Please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.